raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. Pleasure doesn't need to start in the bedroom. Honestly, it really needs to start outside of it. It must be realized within ourselves. This must be, it must be realized in ourselves because once it is, we can find and feel pleasure just about anywhere in our lives. Unfortunately, when I work with someone who struggles with finding joy and fun and play in life, I see that affecting their sex lives as well. And when you're happy, when you're unhappy and just going through the motions, we disembody just like just like that tired mom at bedtime. Sadly, that's where I see a lot of moms today. They're disconnected and dissatisfied emotionally and sexually in their marriage. Initially, they married their partner out of some sort of attraction, but ultimately, they sought out matrimony for stability. What I'm seeing is that women in their, in their late 30s and mid-40s are having a hard time seeing their stable partners as sexy. And because they don't see themselves as sexy either, it's a recipe for infrequent sexual encounters. This is a quote from the book that we'll be focusing on today entitled, Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Do Want Sex and What We Can Do About It. Today, uh, we are joined by the author of this important book, Courtney Boyer. You might remember Courtney. Uh, She joined our show a few seasons back where we discussed sex and mindfulness. We are thrilled to have Courtney here back again. Uh, And Courtney is a very successful coach, helping uh, those she works with to live happier and healthier and more fulfilling lives. She's also a mother of three, a speaker, running enthusiast, and now an author. Congratulations, Courtney. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you, Will. Thanks, John. You're you're welcome. Welcome. And John, great to see you. Um, You, brother. We are on the second episode of season eight um, of Men Talking Mindfulness, and it just keeps getting better. How are you, and um, what do you have for us? Yeah, well, man, I'm great, and it's always a pleasure to to have Courtney on the show. I know we have lively conversations when we got Courtney on here. And just to (laughs) clarify, the name of the book is Why Women Actually Don't Want Sex and and What We Can Do About It. Oh, Uh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I was just just thinking – I was being positive, all right? Like I I want women to have sex. Okay, anyway, sorry. Okay. Same. (laughs) Sorry, Courtney. But but, uh, maybe after this show uh, and and, some of the – recommendations that we make to our female listeners and to our male listeners. That's why I have it, why it's important for women and men to understand women's sexuality and the struggles. Uh, This book, it was originally written for women, but I read it as a man and I got a lot out of it. And we'll, we'll get more into that here shortly. But for some announcements real quick. I know we've talked about our merch store. It's open. It's mentalkingmindfulness.com forward slash shop. We've got all the stuff on there, shirts, hats, coffee mugs. And Courtney, I think we'll be sending you a shirt after this episode out there to Europe. I think you'll be uh, one of our first European uh, guests that receives a shirt. So hopefully you'll sport it. Yes, I will. Proudly. Uh, Right on, right on. (laughs) And then, uh, then, you know, we have a retreat uh, and you can sign up for that retreat. It's May 16th through the 19th at the Glen Erie Castle here in Colorado. Colorado Springs. It is our Be Well to Lead Well retreat. And if you want to take that deeper dive into the intersection between mindfulness and wellness and leadership, 
because there is one. You may not think it yeah. there is one, but yeah. you got to be well to lead well. And then and then you got to lead well to be well. So lead yourself to be well. So I kind of the flip side of that, too. But hey, if you're interested, check out mentalkingmindfulness.com forward slash retreat. Or you can simply text be well. That's B W E L L B W E L L two three three seven seven seven. And then lastly, subscribe to all our different social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we're out there. We're putting stuff out there and we'd love to have you guys as subscribers. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get into our, our opening practice. So we're just going to keep it short so we can really get into this content here with Courtney and, and really help to help you guys uh, in the bedroom and otherwise and how it's all tied together. But let's uh, let's just do a simple five breath practice and just close your eyes if you feel comfortable and if it is safe to do so. Otherwise, just soften your gaze and let's bring our attention to our breath first, noticing the rise and fall of our chest and belly with each breath. And then we'll begin by taking an intentional exhalation, emptying your lungs, shrinking your belly and your chest, holding empty at the bottom, deep breath in, into your belly, into your chest, hold and release. That's one, holding empty, noticing that feeling of emptiness, deep breath in, into your belly, into your chest, hold and let it go. Two, deep breath in, hold and release, three, two more, deep breath in, belly, chest, hold, let it go, four, one more together, deep breath in, hold, and release and start to bring some movement back in rolling your shoulders maybe wiggling your fingers wiggling your toes and let's get into this conversation there it is not tonight honey yeah yeah here we go yeah why don't well women don't watch it just, oh my god it's just so disheartening. anyway so yeah as we laugh and giggle right i was thinking of like where's a great place to start with this and why don't we start right there why does there always seem to be some giggling or joke making or hushed tones when we're talking about sex gosh i where do i begin with that i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um people sex is such a personal thing at, at least it has been such a personal thing. There's so many like religious and just historically historical messaging that really wants to take sex and just like put it in a corner. Uh, right. There's a lot of confusion uh, when it comes to desire, arousal, a lot of things that feel out of control for a lot of people. And especially for people in authority, uh, like, you know, religious authority, for example, even political authority. And so it's easier to tame that and it's easier to push that aside. And so then people don't learn how to have discourse around sexuality in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. All right. So what then, uh, so like, 
thank you for writing this book and, and why, why this book? Like, you know, what, what, why, why'd you take all this time to write yeah, this book? It was a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> John, you know, you just published a book. So yeah. well, um, mine's super short. Yours is much more in depth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, has, it was mind blowing. Great read. For sure. A great read for men and women um, again. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. So I think one of the things that I would hear, actually two things that I would hear whenever I would go and speak or anytime I had a woman come into my office or via Zoom or whatever, uh, the two common themes were, what's wrong with me? And am I broken? Mm. And those were the two questions that I just kept hearing year after year after year. A lot of times with tears in their eyes, a lot of times they came to me because their husbands, quote, made them. Uh, like you need to go, like you need to, you need, you need help. You're, you're broken. Go get fixed. And I just, I know that people seeking help, whether that's therapy or coaching or mentorship that can feel really overwhelming and intimidating when it comes to sexuality. And so I wanted to give people a resource that felt accessible, that felt like, okay, I can read this in private and maybe I can read it and like talk about it with a friend, but like the idea is not necessarily about my personal life. And and I really wanted to have that kind of like impetus that really started to create conversation around women's sexuality. Nice. I, yes. I was uh, reading this. Uh, sorry, John. I just want to. I was reading this book at the airport, and I put it down, and you know, with the with the cover up, and I got this weird look <laughs> from a woman. I was like, she must have gave me a look like that dude is not getting laid. So, <laughs> but anyway, I just thought like it was funny, and I read this in the subway, like, oh, poor guy. You know, or something. Anyway, I got the same, and 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 uh, I lost the I lost the hardcover, and I was reading it on my Kindle on my air, on the airplane the other day, and I was like, oh, is the person next to me reading what I'm reading? I'm a little self conscious, and which you know comes back to this whole thing about sex and and how society views it. Um, so let's let's you know you in the book you mentioned sex being like a skill, not like a skill. Yes. It is a skill, right? And and yes. unlike other skills where you know, baking or for for those who may work on cars, you learn how to work on a car by somebody else teaching you. But we're not we're yeah. not taught how to have sex or even how to yeah. talk about it. Um, and, and it's not modeled for anyone. Right. Like you yeah. can't go on YouTube and type in how to have sex. Right. And, and if you do, <laughs> well, you, you can. Would, I just wouldn't yeah, recommend I, I wouldn't, it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend what it is you find. And, you know, no. um, for for a lot of people, they they view pornography as how to learn yeah. about sex, and and unfortunately, you know, men and women, that's where we think we can learn. Um, but then uh, in your book, I love your line. It says, "Watching porn to learn about sex is like watching NASCAR and thinking that's how you learn to drive a car." So yeah. can can you talk about how sex is a skill and how we can learn to have better sex? Yeah, I think that there's kind of this assumption that if you have genitals and you insert A into B, like it can't be that bad, right? Um, but it, it really can start, be. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really can be, right? Uh, and when it's when this the misinformation is really perpetuated by like the porn industry of just like ramming it in there like mm-hmm. for a solid three minutes before everybody's like, you know, squirting and you know making lots of noises. Um, right. So then we develop these like complexes in a way like, Oh, that's how I should be responding. And then I'm not responding anyways. So what 
is really unfortunate is that because we don't even have the communication skills to understand what it is that feels good to our partner, we can't have conversations about how we can develop these skills. So it really starts with understanding what feels good to us and really understanding how our bodies work. And so then that's really how you learn. It's kind of like some parents are like, hey, you need to know how to change a tire and change the oil before you can drive a car. And I think that's a really great approach when it comes to sex. Like you really need to understand how your body responds to certain touches, the things that feel good, the things that don't feel good, things that you're maybe interested in, maybe not interested in, and being able to be confident to communicate that to partners. And that's something that we're just not taught. Like parents don't teach their kids the basic body part names, let alone how to communicate, how to touch those body parts in a good way. Mm. Yeah, I, I um, just finished reading a book called uh, No No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, I'm forgetting the author, some, something Glover. And uh, in the book, it's, it's, it's almost like the counter to your book, but also supportive, but it's, it's more, it's more for, for men. And, and the, the reason I, I mean that is, is it talks about the same thing about, uh, you know, self-pleasure and, and learning what works for you, but as a man, and then communicating that to, to the woman, uh, because as, as men, um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing at times to, to talk about what we need. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we, we might see what, we might see something in pornography and be like, oh, well, I, I want this, I want that. But but in actuality, <laughs> yeah. a way to communicate it effectively without coming across as overly aggressive, uh, I think that's uh, that's important. But uh, in, in reading your book, in the, the first few chapters, um, I initially felt, I was like, this isn't, this isn't about sex at all. I thought it was going to be about, uh, mm -hmm. you know, th what, what we should do in the bedroom. And it's actually yeah. more about what we should do outside of the bedroom. I mean, it was, it's about society. It's about purity versus pop culture, mental and emotional challenges that, that women have with their bodies, their body image, um, and, and then dealing with the non-sexual aspects of relationship relationships with partners. And then, then I realized as I was reading that, I was like, well, all of this is related to sex. I mean, that mm -hmm. again, that's the, the mental, the man in me saying, oh, well, this, this isn't about sex at all. <laughs> but but it, it obviously is. Can you talk about that at a kind of a high level? And then, uh, and then we're going to dive more into the details with more pointed questions here shortly. Can you talk about that? Sorry. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so easy for people to want to just focus like sex is about like sex, but when it's really in, especially in a long-term committed relationship, it is so much bigger than the actual act of sex. Like you're dealing with how you interact, how you are treated, the, the level of respect, the level of appreciation, you know, issues of resentment, betrayal, uh, just kids, stress, aging parents, like all of these factors contribute to how we are, like the mental state that we're in that allows us to be prepared for sexual activity. And so also everybody comes to relationships with emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. Like we are like 
impactful. So some people do a really good job of unpacking that emotional baggage and really working on it, whether it's therapy, coaching, whatever. And other people just continue to stuff their shit into the suitcases and they've got a lot. And that impacts how we show up sexually. That impacts our ability to give and to receive pleasure. And, you know, those things have to be taken into consideration when it comes to really examining our sex lives. There you go. And, yeah. and you know, uh, you go on further talking about, you know, the, the emotional baggage and how uh, a lot of this stuff outside the bedroom affects us inside the bedroom. One of the examples that you mentioned is your daughter looking up at you and, and saying something to the effect of, I, I'm beautiful. And, and how that caught you off guard. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what if somebody heard her say that? Oh, and wow. then you took a step back and, uh, and you're like, you, you know what? That's, that's great that she thinks she's beautiful. And a lot of us as young kids, we, we do think highly of ourselves and that's a great thing. And then you go on to an analogy, uh, maybe it's a metaphor, I forget, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's about <laughs> Target and you know the, the Target store, if there were an entrance to Target and one was labeled for beautiful people and one was labeled for everybody else, which door would you walk through? Um, mm-hmm. So could you talk about how we view ourselves and how that changes over time and then how that can affect how we show up in the bedroom? Yeah. So the story about my daughter, I will never forget that. She was three years old and she was in this cute little tutu dress holding her little stuffed animal. And we were walking to the car and she just stopped and was like, mommy, I'm beautiful. And I was like, gosh, what if somebody heard you? You know, like I didn't, because I was raised to be a good girl and good girls are not proud. We are not boastable. We are, we are very demure and we kind of take compliments, like sort of, but deflect them. And we Mm. never say that we're beautiful. Never, ever. I mean, we all want to be considered beautiful, but we don't ever say it. And so for her to, I, I felt like I was like in this weird, like, you know, previous history of my own life. And then with her and I was like, I hope you tell yourself that every day, every day. And that for me felt like it was such a shift. And I get emotional thinking about it because like I've got my oldest two are girls and they're teenagers. And um, to see them still feel good about who they are, despite all of the like body changes and the skin changes and stuff like, gosh, that makes me feel like I'm doing something right. And if they can walk out of adolescence, like feeling connected to who they are and feeling beautiful, whether or not that's how society defines beauty or just a beautiful person. Mm -hmm. Gosh, like that's just something that so many people, especially if women of my generation and before we just didn't have. Um, And I think that that's really what I talk about in the book of it was the dove commercials where these women would (laughs) be stuck and be like, I don't know which door to go through. And when women were in groups, especially with women that they were related to, they would pull them, their, their mom or their daughters through those doors. Mm. And they'd be like, hell yes, you're beautiful. Of course you're walking through that. But then when they were by themselves, a lot of them would not walk through the beautiful door. And I just found that. So, I mean, even still just thinking about that, like, would, would my daughters walk through the beautiful door? Mm. And that is just, gosh, like, like yeah. we just aren't 
not raised in a way where we feel good about our bodies, where our bodies are celebrated, the, the pleasure that our bodies bring is celebrated. So often, I, I remember as a young girl, like my body was criticized it was shamed. The idea of you're showing you're showing too much skin. What what kind of message is that sending? Um, like, I can't help the way like you're too you're you're getting too pretty or like oh you're not pretty enough. You're not going to find a man. You know, just those kind of messaging. And I I feel like it's switched. It's not it's not as emphasized as much. Like I don't talk to my daughters that way. I know my girlfriends don't talk to their daughters that way. But yeah, it's definitely something that the target audience of, you know, my book was, has faced. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, we'll go quick, a little, I, go a little real, further. Real quick, uh, well, just oh, a second. Oh, sorry. Yeah, John. Uh, we, we got a comment here and this is for you. Courtney. Oh. It says, it says with a mother like you, your daughters will walk through the beautiful door. So there you go. Oh, oh nice. that's so sweet. Thank you. Go We'll go a little further in, you know, into that shame. Like, what does it do to a woman? And then, you know, you, you kind of alluded to some of the things and how the behaviors and the kind of uh, thinking and self-sabotage that shaming brings. But go a little deeper into more of that destructive na- nature of shame and, and around sex and sexuality and, you know, just being a, like a sensual woman, if you will, or a sensual person. Oh, no, that doesn't exist. Um, (laughs) At least it didn't exist um, when I was growing up. Sex was something that, um, especially I grew up in a very evangelical, uh, conservative Christian culture and uh, had the whole purity culture movement. And so sex was not ever discussed. It was something that was completely saved for marriage. And then you were supposed to flip a switch and be like, great, sex is great now. And everything is wonderful. And... um, that was not the case for a lot of women and it has not been the case for a lot of the women that I've worked with, but yeah. So you're, you're raised to really deny any kind of sexual desire, any type of sexual pleasure, your body, as it grows into like this adult, as a teenager, you have breasts and white hips and God, you look like you're a young woman because you are. And that is, shunned and that is considered a temptation and so then you shut that down you shut it down you disconnect from it because it's the only way to really survive it's historically in this culture and then you're expected to just suddenly turn that back on and what so many people don't realize is that that shame's still there it's mm-hmm. still buried within us yeah. and, we, and they don't know how to extract it and and so that's what a lot of the work i do is well, it, it cuts really deep. I mean, you even talk about not just the messaging from parents, from school, you know, from, you know, others, other siblings or other people in your family. But even in the Bible, you, you quote in the book, Matthew 530 is like, uh, you cannot trust the body. I mean, <laughs> what a fucking statement right now. I'll keep going. You can't trust the body. It will lead you astray. And if your right arm causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Uh, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body, uh, than for your whole body to go to hell. Right? And it's like, you know, you mentioned a lot in the, which I'm so happy you have. And, and one thing that we continually try to get men to do and understand and, and on our retreats and all the work that we do with different organizations, it's like really embodying our experience and really coming back to the body. You even mentioned later in the book about working from the bottom up instead of always it being kind of reprogramming the brain in order to change your body. Um, so, you know, how do we kind of 
how do women and anybody really kind of get back to that embodiment and like especially around sex like sex is like the ultimate experience the ultimate experience if you're willing to go there and open and be free and explore uh of like the physical experience um so can you kind of jump in there a little bit and talk about embodiment or, or what kind of that you know that dis uh, association with our body first and then how do we kind of find ourselves back home yeah, I think so. Yeah, really a lot of people, especially if they've experienced sexual trauma, sexual abuse, will will disconnect because it's a survival technique. And so go. one of the things is that you really have to, if you want to connect with yourself and then which allows you to finally connect with another person. That's the thing that I think people forget is that when I disconnect from myself, I'm also disconnecting from my partner. And that makes it really hard to be like vulnerable and establish trust and really connect. And I think that that's something that people kind of forget about sex is like, yep, sure. It's a way to get off and have a good time, but it's also a way of connecting. It's also a way of healing. It's a way of transforming. Like there are so many powerful things that sex can do and can be. And, and yet we've really just narrowed it down to this small little thing that, that people focus on. Mm -hmm. But when we get back in our bodies, it allows us to really experience life I, you made the comment earlier about like being a sensual woman and it, that that's really what I want for people to do when they are embodied is they have all of their senses activated so that they can fully go through life conscious, present, mindful, mm -hmm. whether that's in the bedroom or outside of it. Yeah. And, and sure. kind of building off of that, um, you know, you talk about the, the different languages that our body speaks versus our brain, what our brain mm -hmm. speaks. And when yeah. we ignore our body's language, it's, it's like fighting with one arm behind our back. Can you, can you talk about how the body mm -hmm. and the brain, how they speak different languages? <laughs> Yes. So if you've ever been uh, anxious or in a like panic mode and you're just like, tell, try to tell your body to calm down, does it listen? No. <laughs> no. no, because our body does not speak the cognitive language of the brain. Our body speaks in breath, which I love here at the beginning of your guys' show. It's because of that, right? We're connecting with our breath. Our bodies understand movement. Like, like exercising, running, yep. shaking. Um, it understands vibration, music. And yeah. that's one of the things I find uh, interesting about like the, the electronic dance movement or electronic EDM. Yeah. EDM. EDM. EDM, thank you. Yep. EDM. What I find is like because they're so in tune with their body. I mean, they can be sometimes they're on drugs, but, <laughs> <that's right>. um, <laughs> but like, right? like they're so in tune to how the music moves them. They allow it to right. move through them. So yeah. m music, movement, breath, those are all ways that the, the body understands. It doesn't understand your language. So telling it to stop or to calm down or to get pumped up, it's not going to work. It doesn't right. speak that language. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I, I love that that you brought that in, and then the you know the, the different energies, the energy that we have in our body, and the chakras. Um, yeah. Can, can yeah. you talk a little bit about the the energy of the body and the the chakras and how we can uh, what they are first of all, and then how we okay. can open up those. Uh, I think you refer to them as roundabouts, basically in traffic, yeah. and how they can get <laughs> how we can get caught up in those roundabouts. 
Yeah. I try to not get like too, my, Ooh. my coach was like, Courtney, yeah, try to like get like more. And it's interesting because I'm very academic based, but I'm a big fan of the woo. And, and <laughs> I, I think that there is such value and beauty in the esoteric and really things that we just can't explain. And so understanding like the energetics of sexuality is super fascinating. So a very quick overview. Um, I was trained in the uh, a certain yoga method for Reiki, which is a type of Japanese healing. And in it, it sees the body that has seven chakras. And essentially, it, they run along the spine, not actually on the spine, but like, per, like a parallel to the spine. And I like to think of it like a highway from like the, your base all the way to the crown of your head. And sometimes when you have this highway, at eight, there's seven stops, uh, like your, your root, your sacral, which is like your womb space. That's usually the area that I tend to focus on all the way up to your crown. And sometimes the energy can get stuck in there. Think of it like an accident, like there's a traffic jam or sometimes there's a major pileup. And so All I can it think prevents- about is my my uh, my kid's school drop off that just put in a roundabout, and they're like, "Oh, this is going to solve everything," and it doesn't. It's so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, I digress. <laughs> yes, it's okay. It's okay. And so what happens is is that one part affects the other parts and because we get a backup and a buildup and stuff, and when all the things are flowing nicely, traffic moves smoothly. But then when part, parts of us get stuck. So, for example, if we've had a sexual trauma, then that has it's like having a major accident in our sacral chakra. And so that impacts a lot of that area. It can lead to a lot of pelvic floor and pelvic disorders, um, among mm-hmm. other things. You know, that part of the body also affects our creativity, our passion. So a lot of times what I see is that clients who are struggling professionally are also struggling sexually mm-hmm. because they don't have that creativity flowing, that drive, that excitement, that desire inside or outside the bedroom. Yeah, and you said uh, the the sacral chakra is, is, you know, the chakra that has to do with giving birth, literally and metaphorically. And so, like giving yes. birth to something with create with creation. So, you know, men can be affected there too. Absolutely, and they're they're not creating something. Uh, they're not tapping into their creative energies. And uh, I love mm-hmm. that you brought that piece in. Well, yeah, and that's why, that's why I mean that's why you know the, the yoga practice is so good. For anybody, mm-hmm. any time during their lives, because it not only do we, because when we start to let go of the physical uh, and therefore the emotional stress with, that's held within the body, I mean, because it's so, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, coming back to like the brain and the body, right? The brain, again, it cannot effectively communicate with the body, but the body can very uh, effectively communicate with the brain. And actually, we can get messages from the body, but in order to kind of get to that embodied experience we got to get in our body and what's so nice and uh about the yoga practice it's like a very holistic practice in a sense it's like working from you know the feet all the way to your head and all the extremities in between even your organs and the twisting and everything that's going on and you can like you know if that's one thing that anybody that's out there that is kind of struggling sexually or just like can't kind of get over some sort of like inner like obstacle that could be a great place to just go and play right and also discover more of your body and it could be also mm-hmm. it's quite a, a sensual experience in the sense of like i'm feeling my body i'm with my breath there's other people around like you know and it really has created a tremendous like more uh um 
it just taps me more into my intuition. It's just like I'm always in this creative realm even more because like because my body and these chakras you talk about, like they get stuck like anything else sometimes and something that could be stuck for decades. And this is a way to help unwind, get the energy flowing back into those wheels, those roundabouts. And therefore, you can really just be yourself. Right. And that, that's what we're really trying to do here. Uh, is kind of get back to the self and under, or not even get back to it. Yes, get back to it, but then understand what the self is, mm-hmm. you know, and who I can really, who I can really Absolutely. be. Yeah. Um, where do you want to go next, John? I kind of, I want to go into, I definitely want to talk about the three big lies mm-hmm. about women and sex. I think that maybe we'll go there and then we can kind of come back to maybe healing, you know, or kind of like getting back into our body and kind of uh, having better sex because we're being better with ourselves. Let's three lies, if you will. Yeah, and I I can read them if you want. Uh, or how about we do that? I'll, I'll may I'll read yes, the first. Please do. I don't. Re- I don't have the top of my head. You don't have your own book. Like what the hell is going on? You don't on? have your anyway. book memorized. What the heck? I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um, all right. Lie number one. It's my duty as a wife to please my husband. I see nothing wrong. Okay. This is my duty as a wife. He's my husband. Well, jeez. I'm sorry. I didn't. That was like my first initial very macho response. Okay. I was going toxic masculine for a second. It's my body. It's my duty as a wife to please my husband. There's a, there's a part B to this too. My husband deserves access to my body whenever he wants it. That's one of the, that's the first lie. Let's dive in there and talk about that. Please. Yes. Um, again, growing up religiously, I cannot tell you how many times I was told that in some overt or covert way. But yes, essentially, like you, you have a wifely duty to perform. There's mm. an assumption that men want sex all the time and women obviously don't. So your job is to perform on demand. And wow. so that's obviously not for a variety of reasons. <laughs> you know, I've actually, I've known people who the, the woman has the higher sex drive, mm-hmm. you know, in a heterosexual marriage and they, you know, that's, that's another topic. Um, and then the, the second part of it I see a lot is I've had clients that really are bothered when their husband, like they'll be doing the dishes and their husband will come up behind them and essentially grope them. And mm-hmm that to them is like, Oh, I'm just like showing you my affection for you. And like, that is fun for me. And the wife just feels like violated, but she's really just supposed to take it because that's her husband. He has access to my body whenever he wants it. So what am I supposed to do? I saw, obviously I I read that piece. um, And what I thought about is on, on Instagram, you'll see these reels where that's what's shown. You'll see a, you know, a husband coming up and spanking his wife on the butt on the butt while she's doing the dishes or whatever and i've gone in and i've read the comments and it's it's really interesting is a lot of the comments are oh this is so cute i love to see this type of playfulness in a relationship um i hope that there's fire in my relationship like this or that kind of stuff and i've always thought it, it it was interesting to see those types of comments and most of them are from women but then Reading your part is that a lot of women don't respond well to that. I know, it, honestly, if I could, if I walked up on my wife and I spanked her on her butt when she was doing the dishes, uh, man, uh, there would be all hell to pay. <laughs> uh, that was just a comment, not so much for you to to uh, be, to, to respond to. But... <laughs> I will not, John. 
I will not. Consent matters. I will not dissect that without your consent. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> well, I, I, mean, I, just, I just, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Courtney. Yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to say, I mean, joking about consent, but like, I think that that really goes back to the the temperature of your relationship and the dynamics of your relationship. And so if you are in a relationship where that's pretty normal, like it's, we're very playful, we're very touchy. It's been established that I'm okay with that. Like I've had a conversation with you and said, I like it when you come up behind me. I like it when you, I like it when you like grab me and kiss me in the kitchen. But a lot of couples are not having that kind of conversation. And in Mm -hmm. fact, what's happening is that there's this sense of resentment of like, I'm freaking in here doing the dishes after I cooked dinner for everybody. I've been at home all day and now you come in and you want to get, get your feels worth. Yeah. That's what I always think when my when my wife walks in and grabs my junk. <laughs> oh my gosh, Becca's going to wow. kill me for this episode. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a healthy relationship. I'm just kidding, John. I'm just kidding. Well, all right, Will, I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll no, no, no. turn it back over to you. Oh, good. Second right, here, is, here is uh, lie number two. Uh, masturbation is wrong and shameful. Um. Yeah, go for, jump in that. You say also self-stimulation. Why? Because masturbation, the word, can conjure up images and feelings of sin and shame. Uh, so let's talk about masturbation. Yes. So masturbation, self-stimulation, whatever you want to call it. Um, it In a lot of families and religions, it is sinful and shameful. And so that has been something that because a lot of times people associate masturbation with pornography or masturbation with lusting. And I don't, they're not mutually exclusive. Like do a lot of people utilize porn and lust after other people or desire other people, right? Without their consent. Yes. But I think you can still be a devout person of faith in a very, you know, conservative, sexually uh, narrow religion and still masturbate and not think about other things. You can really just tune into the sensations of your body. And I think that that's something that people like don't realize, but is obvious. Yeah. I, I, you know, if I can tell a story and you know, about, I was like, uh, 14, 15, uh, you know, exploring my sexuality, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, trying to get to second base and third base, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't, uh, you know, I I had, don't know what you're saying. Please explain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> need you to be more specific. Well, John, we'll, 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 we'll talk offline, John. Okay. Like, I've got three kids, man. I know. I was going to say I have three kids. I don't. I don't understand. Anyway, how's this keep so, happening? Um, yeah. <laughs> Here's what we are giggling again, right? So, uh, um, you know, so I remember, like, so I, I, I was like, my parents were leaving the house, and I kept asking them, "When are you coming back? When are you coming back?" Because I was having a girl come over as soon as they left. So this girl comes over and, you know, my parents are really caught on to, you know, I must, you know, I mean, I guess I asked way too many times when they're coming back. So they knew some shit was going down. So they came back to the house probably within like 45 minutes or an hour. And I, I kicked this girl out the back door. They never saw her. You know, I mean, I just, it was, it was just, the timing was perfect. They came in the front door. I'm sending her out the back, right? Nothing happened. I was super shy. I was hoping something happened, but, you know, but anyway, my parents kind of effed it up. So my dad then sits and they knew something happened in the house, right? And they sit me down and uh, in the living room and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get the sex talk. Here we go. Birds and bees. Like, talk to me, talk to me. You know, we never had this conversation. And my dad looks at me in the face and he's like, it's a sin to spread your seed. And I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm thinking in my head, I remember this moment. I'm like, 
this are you kidding me? Like, this is what he's saying to me right now. And like, and therefore I get that shame. It's like, you know, you should not be masturbating. He didn't even use the word masturbation. Like he didn't just like a lot of people in our parents' generation just didn't have the capacity or, you know, the ability to kind of communicate sex healthy in a way to, you know, a young, very ambitious child, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, so that's kind of, that's where it came for me, you know, as far as like masturbation. Uh, and kind of the shame that was wrapped around it. I mean, it's not like that, but now, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just, it's weird how it, it just runs so deep in our society and, you know, it comes from that, a lot of that Puritan culture and, you know, the Bible and Christians and Catholicism and a lot of other religions, like they really try to, uh, you know, keep this act very sacred. I also feel that, you know, a lot of, you know, the Bible is written by all men <laughs> and men are always trying to kind of protect the womb and protect their women. And, and I think that's where a lot of this kind of, uh, shaming comes from because they just kind of want to, I don't know, men want to save all the women for themselves or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, sorry if I rambled there a little bit, but uh, any comments or we can go to number three. Should we go to number three? All right, let's go with number three. She's shaking her head. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, sorry. Uh, Line number three. Previous sexual experiences outside of a marriage are wrong and will impede your married sex life. There you go. Yes. I remember um, a woman, I spoke at a women's group one time, and she said, I had a previous sexual partner, and my husband was, uh, had not had sex before we got married. uh, And I feel like that's, like a bad thing, but I think it's also helping me. (laughs) So she felt very torn, like that her experience. And that's, again, that's another message of that fear message. Like if you give that part of yourself away, then you will be less valuable to your Mm -hmm. future spouse. Like Mm -hmm. I, and I talk about this in the book, like I had sex ed in high school and it was uh, a teacher held up a piece of paper and said, you know, anybody that you have sex with and she ripped the paper. Mm. And then if you have another partner and ripped that paper. And so at the end there was like this teeny tiny little scrap and it was like, this is all your future spouse is getting from you. And so much fear, so much fear around, oh, well, I can't, I can't be that kind of wife. I, ha- I have to like give everything. And so the idea of having, again, I'm not, I'm not saying to go whole around. I mean, unless you want to do that, like, that's fine. I really don't care what you do. Just mm. make good choices. Do it from a place of empowerment people. Um, but mm. like just so much fear, so much fear in the messaging. And it just isn't true. Ah, it's just not true. Yeah. I, I gotta, I, I gotta jump on that because uh, you know I, I am, I am Christian, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I, I'm, I know that some of our listeners are Christian, and I, yes. I want to know how do you communicate purity um, to to your children, to anyone else within the church without um, damaging their their future sex life. And yes. or for those who do save themselves from marriage, how can they have a, uh, a healthy and pleasurable sex life um, as as virgins, you know, day one, mm. for both of them? 
Okay. Um, so one, I still identify as Christian. Sorry. I just, the, we used yes. a trigger word of mine, uh, ooh, John. Uh, ooh, um, ooh. <laughs> and so I, and I actually talk about this in the book is the word pure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I hate that word because to, to me, the idea that kids are pure until they're sexually active, like there's that, again, that ingrained belief that sexual activity corrupts mm-hmm. and that suddenly now you are unpure and you can't become pure again once you become solely or un, unpure. Yeah. Um, so I, but I, let me just say, even though I, there are things in the book that I talk about that are very, um, I'd say a little bit more progressive, in some of the things that I suggest, I still very much honor people who want to abstain before marriage, uh, people who want to tell their kids to abstain before marriage. That is not my job to judge them. I am very much in a place where I'm happy to equip you with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. My biggest takeaway that I hope that parents get who identify as Christian and want their kids to abstain before marriage is communicate why you want them to abstain from a place of love and not fear. If you can effectively do so, that. Yeah. Can you? If you, if you, you can, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to uh, say, can. well, I mean, right, right. I mean, you're really talking to a higher source then instead of like, you know, the, the, yeah, I'm like, cause it, I, I mean, just like, you know, cause it's like all about like serving God in that case. Right. And like serving you know, and kind of living up to this very high, very almost into unattainable standard when we have, oh my God, I mean, just think about our experience when we start to get our hormones, hormones in our body. And we start like my experience masturbating like crazy, you know, cause it's just like, that's what I want to do because like my body is lit up with all this testosterone and now I'm experiencing life in a new way. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I guess just, is it like, to ha- I wish is what, I don't even know what that conversation might sound like to really like do it in a very life affirming, positive way when you're kind of also denying at the same time, your body, your body's biological need, you know, which is so incredibly strong. I mean, it, 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 it still is for me. So I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there too, because it sounds, it almost sounds like, you know, you can't have both, you know, in some ways, you know what I mean? So it's a tough. Yeah. I mean, again, like that's not um, again, I I identify as Christian. I am not raising my kids with that message that you have to wait to have sex until you get married. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I work with parents who do want to communicate that to their kids. So my job is to equip them with medically accurate, age appropriate information so that they can then convey it from their belief perspective. Um, right. I mean, the reality is like 90% of Americans have sex before they get married. Mm-hmm. And right. like, we know that the rate of uh, marriage continues to like delay. So now we're talking late twenties. Like, mm. I mean, I got married at 22 and a lot of the people that I knew got married young because we grew up in a culture where you couldn't have sex before marriage. Right. And to be honest, a lot of them are getting divorced now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you almost use that. You almost like in that case, you're almost like using the, you know, the accomplishment of marriage just to have sex instead of like, maybe you would wait a little bit longer, discover yourself a little bit more if you actually had sex before marriage, you know? Yes. Sex definitely is elevated, but again, there's a lot of lack of education and a lot of shame. You know, sex is very powerful, very, very powerful. And so people like to control that. And if they can control sexual behavior, then they feel like they can control the individual. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, that's a whole other thing too. Oh my God. <laughs> sure <right>. is. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, so much tied into sex. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's kind of shift the topic. So we cover all all three lies there, um, but I also want to talk about how how. Uh, society packages pleasure. You cover three different ways for how society packages pleasure and, and how it can be um, a mistake. And the one is that pleasure is not for me, it's for you, which is the human giver syndrome is what you called it. Mm -hmm. And then pleasure is a distraction, which is the good girl complex. And then it's not safe to pursue pleasure and desire, which is uh, what you call the notebook dilemma from the movie, The Notebook. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you talk about those packagings of pleasure and how that affects sex? Yes. You know, again, we receive, women especially, we receive so many messages about sex. And, and I'm speaking from like my generation. I know it's different um, in like my kids' generation and even probably like the Gen Z, the early 20s people. But yeah, definitely like there's just so much like you pleasure is good, but like, you know, you don't get that. Like mm. your job is to be, and even that's something that we definitely see in mainstream pornography is like the, the male, the male lens, the male gaze is that it's not the same as like feminist space porn of like what women want to see and the type of things that bring women pleasure. Mm. And so it's this idea that women basically are here to serve and please men. And so that's kind of like that whole human uh, giver syndrome. Like I'm here to please and to give to you. Right. And that's a lot of religions will reinforce that. Like you're the helpmate. Like you are here to help, um, not be helped. Mm -hmm. And so, and then like, you know, the good girl, you know, this is something that I went to a Christian high school and really experienced firsthand of like, well, like a good girl wouldn't do that. Like, mm -hmm. like I was the epitome of the good girl in high school. I did, yeah. I was straight A student. I was a varsity athlete. I went to church three times a week. Like I was all in it and you know, good girls don't get distracted and like almost like dabble within this like pleasure thing, because really it's a distraction yeah. from like this higher work and the good things that you're supposed to be doing mm. in the world. Yeah. And, and then boys don't receive that same message. Like I, I went to a Catholic high school for a couple of years. No. I mean, fifth and sixth grade no. and, and like, no, not at all. I mean, it's just like, like yeah, keep going. You, yeah. And then the, uh, yeah, the, the notebook, uh, syndrome. Can you touch on that one too? Oh yeah. This idea of like, <laughs> it's like this stability, like safety, stability, uh, dichotomy of like, I want this, the excitement and desire of, you know, Noah and it's something that I can't have. But then I think Juan is the other guy, but like he, this other guy provides me this like safety and stability and like, I can't have both. So it's yeah. like, it's one or the other. Yeah. Um, now talking about that and what we just talked about, uh, Will, you mentioned that, that men or boys are not taught the same messaging. And I think it's important that men listen to this. I mean, the show is called Men Talking Mindfulness and the preponderance of our audience is men. Mm -hmm. And I want people, I want men to listen to this episode and I want men to read your book. But that said, in the book, you mentioned dissatisfied wives coming to husbands with their concerns and the men not wanting to change. And then you also mentioned that a lot of women say they don't want to have sex with him 
or that they find their husbands boring. And then you have within the book, you have quotes like the message again from the patriarchy is that you can't trust your body and Mm -hmm. being selfish allows you to elevate your needs and desires and go after what you want. Men have been doing this for centuries and I don't see anyone accusing them of being selfish. Now, as a man, how how can a man read this book and see it as a book that's helpful to them as well as the women mm-hmm. and not a book that blames men for the way things are or isn't a man bashing book? And yes, I wrote that whole question out because I wanted to make sure I said it in a way that didn't come across as combative. <laughs> Let's go, Courtney. Oh, no, I- yeah, no, come on, John. John could take me in like two seconds, okay? Like, I know I'm fully aware of my skills and tools. No, um, absolutely. Like, and I think that's even something that I touch on in the intro, I believe, or chapter one of like, the goal of this book is not to, to point fingers, but right. it is important that we hold people accountable. And when we have millennia, millennia, right? Not just like Mm -hmm. a few years, but millennia where women have been property. Mm -hmm. We have been pawns. We have been like not full citizens, not full rights. Um, Sex slaves. Yes, sex slaves. Like we're even in parts of the world today, right? Even in parts of the world today, women's Mm -hmm. sexuality is regulated, controlled, traded, um, Mm. and so many things. And so I think that it's not about blame. It's about accountability and understanding the impact of the policies and behaviors of men historically and how that impacts us today. And that's really what I love men. Like I, I do like they're amazing allies. I, you know, like I love talking to you guys before the show. I love your show. I love you both. Um, I love you too. Thanks, guys. Um, And so it's not about blaming, but it is about understanding the role that men have played in women's oppression, in our ability to advocate for what we need. Like I see firsthand women who go to their husbands and say, I'm not happy. Like I'm not, I'm struggling in this marriage. And their answer is, Mm -hmm. you have a great life. Why are you complaining? I want help. Like I have wives who say, can we please go to therapy? And their answer is, I don't have time. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And it's funny because my husband and I talk about this a lot because, you know, I think that what's happened is we've, you know, marriage has become such an unrealistic relationship in so many ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, people get married for one thing and they set up these unhealthy and unrealistic dynamics. And then 10 years in, a lot of times the woman's like, actually, I do want an emotionally available spouse. Yeah, I want somebody that can access their feelings. I want somebody that can tell me that they're struggling or that they're hurting or that they're sad, that they're, they just lost their job or their mom just died. Like I, I want that. And so then it's almost like the rules change and then the man doesn't know what to do because he doesn't have those tools in his toolbox. And so he feels frustrated because you've never asked for these tools before. And now you want me to use them and I can't. And so I feel ashamed about that. Mm. And so really, Oh, go ahead. No, what happens? Okay. There's probably a man or many men out there listening right now that are in that situation where it's just like, you know, why their spouses come up to them and and express these concerns and they're just like dismissive. Like, uh, how do we flip the script? How do we have a healthy relationship? How do we bring more sex back into relationship? And I love what you say in in the, and you said it here, sex is such an incredible means of communication and connection. 
And that can really uh, help to reinvigorate the relationship if it's gone kind of a little sour or something. So what do we do in that situation if a man's like, oh, whatever? We have to have the courage to have the the conversation. Men have to have the courage to say, there's something that's missing and it could be me. What can I do to change? Mm -hmm. What do you need from me? But that's scary for a lot of people to ask, especially for men who like to be, I've got it all together. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I'm Mm -hmm. capable and competent in who I am. And you're coming to me after what I thought was like a relationship that was sort of functioning for 15 years. And now you're saying it's all wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's not about them saying it's all wrong. It's saying what's working or what's been working isn't working for me anymore. And that can be sexually or otherwise, but being brave enough to have that conversation and not take it personally. Yeah. And that's, that's tough to do is, is not. Yeah, of course it's tough. (laughs) And, uh, you know, in your book, you use the term sexpectations. uh, I love that word. I love that. Can you you talk a little bit more about that? (laughs) Because I mean, that's what a a lot of it boils down to is sexpectations. (laughs) Yeah. From the, from the expert. Anyway, she she definitely loves playing with this word. (laughs) I do. I love those fun words. So it's, we have these expectations and we kind of talked about it a little bit about like the husband coming up and like groping his wife while she does the dishes. Like there's expectations around how I behave sexually or what my husband or what my partner does sexually. And so we fail a lot of times to convey what those expectations are. And then we get disappointed and frustrated and the resentment builds and then, right, relationships dissolve because we never communicated our sex expectations. Sex expectations just are expectations around sex. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't put those two together. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> just wanted to break it down for you, Will. No, no, I mean, no, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of like around this, like men and sex and, and communication, it's like, it's that vulnerability that we keep trying to talk about and keep trying yes. to invite men into in the show. And if you're able to just, God, just imagine if, if you, you hit that point in a relationship and hopefully men are listening to this out there and they'll be like, you know what? Okay. I'm just going to get vulnerable and I'm really going to communicate this. Like, the the I, I you know depending on the relationship but like just to be to put yourself in that vulnerability to put yourself out there to kind of stand naked in front of your wife like you talk about a way of like becoming sexy again to one another like mm-hmm. through vulnerability because that's what really great sex requires is a sense of trust and vulnerability um, and then you can kind of build everything from there um, but it really comes back to that to the the willingness to have that conversation, but also be, before you get there, the willingness to be truthful, to be vulnerable, and really just open up and communicate in a very clear and you know way around your expectations or, or what's getting in the way of us having more sex. Um, well, I think one of the problems it. with that is is that a lot of times people don't know what they want. Mm. How, how do we do, get there? What do we do? How do we how do yeah, we get? Yeah, they do not give themselves permission and. I think John kind of alluded to this in how you were asking that question recently, but like we, a lot of times have looked, especially women have looked to authority for guidance and for direction. And so when we are looking up, we can't look within. And if we're not looking within, then we don't know how to follow our hearts because we don't know what our hearts desires are. 
And so if we want to really be in tune with our desires and the things that bring us pleasure, we have to give ourselves permission to look inside. And that can be really, really scary if you've never done that or you Mm -hmm. think that you're not good and you do not deserve good things and you see yourself in such a bad way. And a lot of men see themselves that way. And that just breaks my heart. But it it is. They do. Yeah. 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 For sure. Into me, into me, you see is one of the definitions I've heard of intimacy. Oh, I like that. Into me, you see. Yeah. I was like, that was years ago. So I heard that. I'm like, oh, that's fucking actually. And now I'm using it in here. Um, So, uh, Joe, why don't you, I want to, I want to build on, on that piece right there about how how we see ourselves. And and you talk about, you know, there's a part of your book where, where you're telling women to look in the mirror and and see themselves as the little girl that they used to be. And, and this, mm-hmm. this little girl who dreamed and laughed and sang and danced like it didn't matter. And and this really hit home because I've got two young little girls. I've got a little boy as well. I mean, and it, and it, and it applies to him too. Um, but can you run through that mirror exercise um, that you describe in the book and then how important it is to see yourself a certain way and what that does for you in the bedroom? Yeah. So I had a client once who was um, convinced that she loved herself. And the funny thing is, I will let you in on a little secret of how I know clients struggle with their self-worth is their beliefs are reflected in their behaviors. Mm -hmm. So you can tell me all day long that you love yourself, but if you are overeating, overspending, numbing out, drinking, you don't love yourself. Like you're trying to escape and you're trying to numb the pain. So I told her, I said, okay, let's do a fun little exercise. And I said, I want you to see that mirror. I want you to go over to it. And I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say, I love you. She's like, okay, I can do it. No problem. So she walks over, she stares at herself for a solid 10 seconds. She starts to say, I, and then she just starts crying. Yeah. She couldn't do it. And I think what happens is there's that body connection, right? Because our bodies don't lie. The body is saying, you don't love, you don't love us. And so it had a physical reaction. It had to release. It had to say, no, that's not your truth. You're not speaking that. And so a lot of times people don't realize how much they don't love themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they bring that self-loathing, self-hate, that disconnect to their partnership and to sex. And it affects their ability to be present, to receive pleasure. I see this especially with women when it comes to receiving oral sex. A lot of times women who struggle with body image issues, who struggle with a history of sexual shame, the idea of a man or anybody going, putting their mouth anywhere down there, down there, right. Is just like, that's awful. That's disgusting. Right. It's like, why would anybody want to do that? I've had women ask me that. Why would anybody want to do that? And again, it's just that disconnect, that shame of my body is not lovable. I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-loathing. I mean, that carries, carries itself everywhere. When Will and I were in Costa Rica, we went into the psychedelic therapy uh, retreat. Mm. And at the end, uh, without the psychedelics, uh, we we looked at a partner we, um, and and didn't see uh, them as who they were, but saw them as somebody else in our lives. And Will, you may I may need your yeah. your help here, but it was we looked at them in their eyes and we said, "I am sorry 
please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, oh, and we, and that's it. And we I'm said it over. Choked up, John. We, we said it over I and know. over. And mm-hmm. I tell you, I was looking at that person, and I was seeing myself, and saying, "I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you." To myself, I was bawling, and yeah. and I realized, yeah. you know what? There's a there's a part of me that does not love who I am. There's a part of me who actually does the exact opposite no. whereas there's self-loathing going on and now i've taken yeah. that that lesson that i learned at that retreat yeah. and i do it i do that in the mirror and i say you know what i am sorry please forgive me thank you and i love you and i tell you that that's one of the most powerful things that i do on a, on the regular uh, and i still at times tear up uh, but man it mirror exercises they can be incredibly yeah. helpful in in changing how you literally and figuratively see yourself um so i i i, I don't Absolutely. know why i went no. that, that path I mean, but i just had to it, share that it's in the book right i mean it's like yeah it's a, mm-hmm. the whole you know i didn't realize this hawaiian ritual called uh hope yeah. yep hope ono Ho'oponono. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, Thank yeah. you. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, was a, that man that, that definitely brought, brought a tears to my eyes and then seeing it again in the book was, was awesome. Um, why don't, so, why don't we, why don't we wrap it up, John, with, uh, um, if you want, I'm sorry, John, I was thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd love to touch on the IFS piece. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for the IFS, like, so we're talking about the self, we're talking about, um, you know, getting more deep and intimate and meaningful and, you know, understanding and then really experiencing, I, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And really speaking to the self, we had Frank Anderson on last season fucking love the guy ifs is is just the bomb um you talk about the eight c's in the book and you know he talked about it on the show also the five p's which i really like in order to really um discover be with experience the self get the self energy get the self leadership is what they call so um and also the parts i think is really is really what the key here is right part of it is understanding these parts instead of it it being like oh i'm a bad person because i have this little person inside of me that's telling me all these bad things about myself so let's let's finish with that as a way to kind of maybe heal and get back to the self and uh because i think it's just so profound this work and and i'm so glad it's done spoken of in a western way instead of the woo-woo esoteric kind of thing so thanks for breaking this down for us yeah so ifs stands for internal family systems and it is Honestly, I, you know, as a trained therapist and didn't get exposed to IFS and think it's one of the most powerful modalities I have ever come across. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really what you're doing, um, it's, it's really like what John was saying, like you're connecting with that part of yourself that is hurting and in pain and Mm -hmm. just wants to be seen and loved. And I think that that's something that you know, a lot of people when they, when they come to me and they say, you know, I'm not interested in sex or I'm doing this behavior or, you know, if I have a couple that comes to me and, you know, like she's always yelling at me and she's nagging and, or he's always like escaping. It's really about honoring those parts and just trying to understand that those behaviors are a form of of protection. They are trying to protect that that little boy or girl inside of you that is hurting, that is 
struggling and just does not want to feel pain. And so it's really about trying to get those parts to just whew, relax and, and be like, okay, like this can be okay. Healing, it can be better, but like that requires trust and that requires action. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and actually had, I, I recorded a little microdose on that, like a big micro, like a hero's dose kind of micro episode of, uh, you know, know thyself. And I break down these eight C's and then I'll mention mm. the, the, the P's, right? So it's like calm, curious, creative, courageous, connected, compassionate, and confident. Like just imagine, and clarity, or just imagine living with that, with that on the inside, like that's who you are. And then leading yourself in that way. But then, you know, and then being in the world with the five P's is being present, being persistent, being playful, being patient, and being you know, perspective or having perspective. So, yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, if you're out there and, and like, you know, you're struggling with any kind of shame, sexual shame or whatever, it's like, you know, getting the IFS or, or even calling Courtney, working with Courtney can really help you to kind of, you know, get to know those parts. It's so important. That's why I like IFS instead of just, oh my God, am I a multi-personality, weird, like wacko person that should be in a padded room instead of, instead of just being like, oh wait, like, oh, this, what's so nice about the parts, it's like, this needs my attention. Let's see what's mm-hmm. going on over there, and then and then have a communic have a conversation and communicate with this part, and then understand what it's trying to do, um, and then you know in kind of a unifying with that part and moving forward instead of like always being divided. Um, well, and I think acknowledging too that like you can have two parts that I have a part that really wants sex, and I have a part that's afraid of it or that is mm. uh, I'm ashamed of it, or you know, and, and honoring both of them. And knowing like, it's okay to feel both of those things and mm-hmm. we can figure out a way to like, how do you want to feel about it? Like, wh- what is that emotion? What is that embodiment that when you come to sex, when you approach sex, like, what does that look like and feel like for you? And really allowing those, you know, two, three parts to, to all feel present and heard. Yeah. And, and, and if you've, if you've, uh, got some trauma, if you've got some of the, the, the struggles that we've talked about on the show today uh, in or outside of the bedroom, definitely recommend checking out our episode with Dr. Frank Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all about um, uh, transcending trauma and how, how those that the IFS can really be helpful there. It's actually one of the more powerful episodes we've ever done. I walked about, I walked out of it just exhausted because of <laughs> everything that I wanted to just go. I wanted to just jump right into IFS. But anyhow, uh, Courtney, this has been an awesome, awesome episode. If, if you had one thing, uh, one message that you wanted to leave with our, our watchers, our listeners, that would help them to feel better about their sexuality and sex or, or anything else for that matter, what, what would it be? My message would just be like, you are worthy and deserving of pleasure. Mm. Like, I, I really hope that you believe that. And if you don't, I really want you to (laughs) because you deserve it. You deserve, you are worthy and deserving of amazing things. And I hope that you incorporate a life that is filled with joy and filled with pleasure and love. Awesome. Yeah. And and what's the, what's the best way uh, for listeners to find you? Yeah. So I'm on social media at Courtney Boyer coaching. So uh, Instagram's great LinkedIn. I'm the most interactive on Instagram. So like sending me, I love it when like podcast people send me a message of like, Oh, I heard your, like that makes my day. I I love chatting and getting to know listeners. And it's, it, 
I love talking and I love people. So awesome. Well, we'll make sure those those links to your website, to your social media are in the uh, podcast notes. But Courtney, this has been fantastic. Uh, Will, I know you're going to wrap it up with the, the closing practice. But before we yeah. do the closing practice, uh, I just want to say, hey, Courtney, thank you. To our listeners, thank you. To our, our viewers, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we sincerely ap- appreciate you. And, and if you got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends, your family, your co- your colleagues, uh, whoever you feel could benefit. And then please give us a review. Subscribe mm-hmm. to the podcast. Subscribe on social yeah. media. Uh, we really appreciate you and we appreciate your uh, your subscribing and following, but not just for our own ego, but so that we can get this kind of goodness, our, our guests. Yeah. Yes, and their messages like Courtney and her message out to the masses because it does make a difference. So, all right, now I'll get off yeah. the soapbox and turn it no, I, no, thank you, John. That was beautiful. And hey, we're trying to create a healthier world and that's why we have people like amazing people like Courtney on. And like, and, and Courtney, I got to say, after reading through your book and hearing the way that you interact with like and all the wonderful questions that you ask the clients uh, as, as a kind of a way to kind of keep telling the story and keep talking about the problems and the solutions around sex. Like, I mean, if you need help like this, read reach out to Courtney. Like she's a coach. She can help you with this. And I know she would love to. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's all about that. And let's just, let's just close with, uh, three breaths. Wait, well, can I just say something? I just want to, I just want to thank you guys for one, having me on again. Um, and thank you for the work that you do. Like anytime I have, especially male clients, I send them your guys's podcast because Uh, I think the work that you're doing is so important. No, I'm serious. I do. Thank like you. it is so important. And I, I'm just, I'm so proud to be associated in this space with you and, and really thank you for being such a light. So keep And it keep all started it. by looking up the word sexpert on LinkedIn and you popped up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was sex expert. And then all of a sudden it's a sexpert or something like that. Remember? Something like that. Was, yeah. yeah, I remember. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and hey, maybe we'll have a hat trick here one of these days. Again, Courtney, have you back for a third time, which would be awesome. Uh, so we love having you here. All right, everybody. Let's just close it with three easy breaths, a little parachute breath. Um, we're just going to take a really like a nice swift inhale through the nose and a very, very, very like almost two or three times long elongation of the exhale. And just uh, let's just drop in and. Exhale out. Try to really get empty. And we'll take that really swift inhale through the nose. And exhale out out the mouth really slow. Really slow. Control, control. Drop into the moment by finding your breath again. In. There we go. Exhale out. Slower. Relax the face, jaw, shoulders. So good. And one more of those. In. Ah, awesome. Exhale out. And just close with taking a moment and thank yourself for listening. We thank you for being here. We thank you for even just wanting to uh, to live a better life, to have a healthier and happier sex life. Because um, we can all create a better world by just getting a little bit more intimate with ourselves and other people that really are meaningful to us. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, And that's it. That's a wrap, I guess. That's it. All right. Take care, everyone. Until next time. Peace. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey. New episodes are being published every week, so please join us again for some meaningful discussion. For more information, please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com.